This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Lead Singer Syndrome is brought to you by Rockabilia, the best place for band merch. With over 500,000 unique, officially licensed items, why look anywhere else? Head over to rockabilia.com and use promo code PCLSS for 15% off your entire order today. I'm sick with this, I'm sick with this. Since you were just a bad lot judgment, my own sweet down, did it teach what I found? I recognize it for this. To another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. Happy New Year. Happy New Year again. A whole week down. You made it. I hope it's been good for you so far. Anyways, welcome to the show. I'm Shane Told, your host, as I take you deep into the backstage conversations between two lead singers. And today's guest, well, me and him have had tons of great chats over the years. I love this one because... He doesn't hold back at all. He doesn't hold anything back. Chris number two of Anti-Flag is on the show. And if you like Anti-Flag, you are in luck. Because next week, I get Justin on the show. So stoked. It is so awesome. So make sure you're subscribed. Because I don't want you to miss these awesome episodes. So, uh, good news and bad news. Um, Today, uh, well, today I had to go to the doctor I had to have some procedures looking in my stomach and in my colon. Yes, that's right. I'm talking about my colon on the show. A very sexy, I know. Uh, and man, I, I don't know what they used to sedate me. I'm still a little loopy, to be honest. But I was <laughs> I was a freaking mess. Uh, shout out to Mr. Manager, Paul Kohler, for taking care of me. Uh, but anyways, I got back home. I was feeling fine. I decided, hey, maybe I'll get this podcast done, you know? So I attempted to record this intro. Uh, well, I was quite heavily sedated, and halfway through it, I passed the F out. So, woke up a little uh, more coherent and listened back, and wow. 
<laughs> Maybe I'll post that on a bonus episode on the All Access Club or something. Um, wow. But anyways, good news. I am fine, apparently. No cancerous things at all. So just got to keep, you know, living the life of a healthy guy, the doctor says. So my news resolutions are, are still kicking. Uh, has anyone messed up theirs yet? I asked you guys last week to send me your resolutions. I think I got like three. Uh, so maybe you guys aren't super into it, but it's not too late. If you want to email me about anything at all, feel free. It's leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. Also, a news resolution for the show. I don't know if I brought it up last week. We are starting to take Facebook a little more seriously around here. And personally, I'm not a huge fan of Facebook. I've, I've voiced it before. So huge shout out to Melissa, Julia, and Neil. They're helping me out to get our Facebook page up and running. I think we've got like something like 3,000 likes, which is pretty pathetic considering how many of you guys listen to this show. So if you guys don't already like the page, uh, please do. I think it's facebook.com slash leadsingersyn, S-Y-N, and we're going to be doing a lot more stuff on there. We're going to be posting, you know, little tidbits from the show. I can already think of a couple things just from this episode. I want to post up there, have some discussions. So again, check it out, like the page. It would really help us out. It's Lead Singer Syndrome. It's facebook.com slash leadsingersyn, S-Y-N. As for me, now that I'm all healthy and shit, uh, I'm good to go. I'm gearing up for a huge tour with Silverstein. We're going all the way across the US of A with our Australian brothers and sisters in Tonight Alive. It starts in like 10 days, I want to say, very soon. So make sure you got tickets for that. Also on the bill, picturesque and broadside to awesome new bands. And we have VIP packages available. So head over to thegetfreetour.com, thegetfreetour.com. And, you know, if you make it out to the show and you see me walking around, please come up and say hello. I love that. I love to discuss, you know, the podcast, your favorite episodes, whatever it is. Uh, So I will see you all there. Also, if you want to help out the show, please check out the All Access Club for as little as $6 a month. You can help this thing keep going week after week. And you get access to bonus episodes, merchandise sent to your house, Q&A sessions with me, and you also become a part of an amazing community of fans of the show, and also me. I'm on there too. Uh, the link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. It's only as little as $6 a month. That is, I did the math, that is 19 cents a day. Okay? Not bad. So check it out. It really does help. Leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. Before we jump in, I want to remind you guys of our sponsor, Rockabilia.com. It is the best place for band merch on the internet. They have so much stuff and they have great prices, but it's even sweeter if you use my promo code. It is PCLSS. You save 15% off your entire order. Yes, they have anti-flag shirts. So get over there. It's Rockabilia.com. Rock-a-B-I-L-I-A.com. Promo code PCLSS. L-S-S. All right, enough chatter. Let's get into it with one of the best in the business, my friend, number two of Anti-Flag. Mr. Dose, 
How are you, sir? I'm so well. So well. You guys have been uh, really busy, man. Yeah. <laughs> whole year. The whole year's been yeah. It's been a crazy year for us. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've been really busy, too, and I'm always looking at who's busier than we are. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, good for them. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. You know, it's the end of the year, and... You know, I, I guess just being busy makes the time fly by. I can't believe yeah. that it's like Christmas in like a week. It's insane. I'm really unprepared. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what have you been up to lately? The last like uh, little while, you guys did you guys just get back? Yeah. So uh, where we left you was we couldn't bring ourselves to commit to an entire warp tour in 2017 <laughs> so we went right from there to the end of season uh festivals in europe um and from there jesus we did we've been playing with real big fish a lot okay and uh it's incredible. <laughs> it's just so much positivity. I, well, I think that the two bands just balance each other out where like right. we come and we have this thing that is, you know, hopefully uh, reaches beyond, you know, the three chords and whatever the fuck we're doing and jumping off of. Yep. But they are. It, it's exactly that. It's just so positive that right. it just feels good and um and they're like they're such a pro band at that at that thing um <laughs> it's very it's been very cool so we did the uk with them and it was like i mean it was crazy because we, we don't do very well in the uk um, right neither do we to be honest i i <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> Without being like uh, an excuse jukebox for why we've failed, <laughs> I, I think it has a lot to do with just the culture of it being press driven. I know, and, man, and we've I never know. gotten that press, so um, yeah. it never, it never like happened the same way it happened everywhere else, where it seemed to be um, either like. And then you guys are a big part of this too, like culture driven, like the movement of music that you guys were a part of that had success everywhere. And unless you were one of the ones who were in Kerrang every week, you didn't, well, nobody that's the cared. Thing. That's the thing. I've always said that. I've, I've said that about the UK for years and it's amazing that like you just come out right out and say it because I've said it to other people in bands and they've not to say they've disagreed with me, but they've kind of just like not really understood and I've always said, like, I don't, you know, I ne was never addicted to drugs. I don't have any tattoos on my neck. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. outlandish well, things or starting yeah, fucking yeah. beef with another band. That's uh, yeah, what they but, want. But that's 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 the UK as a whole. That's not just um, uh, a part of uh, our music uh, world. I mean, it's right. the one place in the world where you see people still selling papers on the streets. Why? Because everything in that newspaper is like hyper sensationalized yeah. and um so it's just a part of their culture and, and so it's one of the places too in the world where in a band well they'll try to get you to do wacky things oh, like yeah. everything needs to be a wacky thing to like you know you've got to i don't know and it was like i don't know it's just a weird it's just a, a weird part of the world that we've we've never had much success in and then we go out there with 
with fucking real big fish and there's 2000 people on a show and amazing. we're like, what is happening? <laughs> it's amazing. That's so, so good. Yeah. It's and so they good. didn't have that either. So I don't know, you know, like they were never in a magazine. They just covered, um, take on me, take and-, on me. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. So that's yeah, that's right. No, well, that's the thing. Radio, uh, you know, radio play and all that stuff does help. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, they're, they're kind of like, you know, you talk about ridiculous and, and, you know, you know, they have that side of them. You yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they have a little bit of a, uh, well, it's funny. You can't call it gimmicky when you've been doing it for 20 fucking years. No, no, But no. they have it. You know what I mean? They, they have that yeah. like quirkiness, but it works. But uh, it's, 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 you know, they, they just, they literally, and not to have, this is really, I've not had this conversation with anybody else. Maybe it's <laughs> the, the comfortability of uh, sure, whatever. you and I together. But um, I think that it just feels so good to be around a band that just has having fun and not playing a fucking game and trying to, you know, w- grow a business in a certain way. Right. It's not chasing anything. They know who they are and they're just that. And that is really refreshing to me. Um, at this time where it's like the pie has gotten so small that everybody's just like, you know, after each other, you know, and that's, uh, that's not the world I want to be in. And, and I, you know, and I, and I feel bad for anyone who's in a brand new band right now because they have to deal with that. And it's just like, it's so insane to me to, um, to like have, um, a vision of making money playing music when you start <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's unfathomable to me. Like, like when all, all the bands that I know and love when they began, that was never even, uh, oh, you, a would, worry. Laugh. you would laugh. Yeah. About it. it was nothing. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. no, no. I mean, I always say when, when Silverstein, when we put out, you know, our, our got signed to victory and put out our first record and everything. I, I said to my girlfriend at the time, Oh yeah, I don't know. Probably do this for like, you know, well, we'll do one one record for sure, and then probably do a second one and break up, because that's what all my favorite yeah. bands did. Yeah, you know, and here we are, two guys talk. You know, shit, Anti Flag's been around since what was Die for the Government, like ninety seven, ninety six. That's yeah. crazy, because yeah. no one would have thought that that at the time that you guys would be able to sustain it. You know, no, and and, and even. When I joined the band, you know, I joined the band before the second record, which was a new kind of army, which came out in 99. And, um, uh, you know, I just wanted to play a show in Allentown, (laughs) which was like two hours away. You know, I had no idea that uh, uh, anyone would care. And, and, you know, I, I, I... thought I was joining a really big band because they were popular in Pittsburgh and I learned very quickly that that wasn't the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. No, you drive, it's amazing. You drive an hour away and it's like, Oh, there's oh, 10 nope, kids here. Nope. Oh yeah. Here we are. Yeah. God, this is a lot harder. I mean, you know, again, coming back to you and I knowing each other and I could tell you things that I'm going to pretend like no one else is going to hear. <laughs> I, I came home from the first tour, which was a three month long tour in the summer of 99. I had missed my high school graduation right. to do it and all this stuff. And, um, and I, I cried because <laughs> I was like, this was really hard. And this was not like, Oh shit. Like there was nobody there, you know, and we were slugging it out and it took, you know, we were building from nothing. And, um, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a difficult thing whenever you have your face with that, uh, 
um, uh, at such an early age to be like, okay, well, am I going to keep being in this, um, am I going to keep being in this van forever? And apparently so here I am. (laughs) Here you are. Uh, like what? Almost 20 years later It's blowing my mind. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy though. I remember seeing you, you guys play, it must've been 99. Um, I don't remember what tour it was, but it was at the opera house. Was it snow jam? It might've been snow jam. Yeah. Yeah. Was it with, uh, Oh my goodness! Was Gob that the one played with, with Gob? Yeah, was that the yeah, one with, and, was uh, Aiding Fingers Louie and the yep. Satanic Surfers? <laughs> yeah, um, and AFI was on some of those dates, but they weren't on the Toronto one. Okay, that, okay. That, I think and the Bouncing Souls were on some too. I don't think they played either, but I remember okay. seeing you guys and thinking, like, I like you know, I liked your record "Dad for the Government" and everything, but seeing you guys play. I think it was the first time that I felt like a band could far exceed their record. That, um, that the is live that the show, show that the barricade broke in the first song? It maybe, it maybe. I, yeah, I can't recall. Yeah. It's funny. I've seen you guys so many. Go ahead. Is that um, that opera house show? Um, George and Wade were there from Alexis. Okay, yeah. And they talked to me about that show all the time, like it was this really. And I was probably just like trying to get, you know, MapQuest directions to the show printed in time. <laughs> I have a different <laughs> recollection of, of how it all went down. But um, I do know that a, a very influential show happened at the Opera House in their life where the barricade broke on the first song. And you they know, were like, that, that might have been the show. I saw anything like that. And it's funny because obviously I've known those guys over the years and, and we're, you know, I didn't know them at the time. We were all high school kids, but we were at the same yeah. show. It's funny. And um, I just remember seeing your band and, and you specifically and just the way you were able to take, you know, a great record down for the government, but when you played it live, it had so much energy I've never seen a band really do that before to where it's like, okay, and I know it's like something that happens all the time and the whole point of touring, but at the time I'd never seen a band do that before. Well, I, 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 yeah, not to interrupt you, but I feel like even then, um, I would have conversations with myself that the record is a different experience than the show. Yeah. And which was very different from a lot of people that I was friends with musically who they were, a, a, they wouldn't do overdubs or they wouldn't do um, extra things on the record or put an extra bridge on the, on the record version of the song and take it out in the live <laughs> show. And for me, I was like, no, man, these are two different experiences. If the live show is to mirror the record 100%, then what's the point in having two different (laughs) ways of doing it? And so, um, yeah, even back then I I was really like, no, you know, like however we've got to change these songs so that they interact the right way with uh, the folks that are coming out and, and feel as important as we want them to be. Um, And there's a bit of like, um, you know, uh, uh, ego that goes into everything you do, especially if you've decided to pl- uh, perform art in front of people. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, you have to have some level of ego to do that. But I really felt like, even back then, like playing a song like Fuck Police Brutality, which is a song that we still play today, yeah. it had importance. And it wasn't, 
And I like it's that's probably the song that we get the most shit for because, uh, you know, um, uh, people that would like to be um, <laughs> more cynical than maybe they uh, portray like on the outward, uh, but but are actually cynical in their day to day lives. Like one of the biggest thing that comes back is like, yeah, who doesn't know police brutality is wrong as if the song exists <laughs> for an aha moment at the show where somebody looks to the person on the left and you're like, you know what? Before this, I thought police brutality was okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, no, motherfucker. Most of us in this room are white. Many of them are straight males. We don't deal with police brutality on that level. How do we share solidarity with marginalized communities that are getting murdered at alarming rates? And this was... In 99, when we were thinking of that, fast forward yeah, to fuck, cell phone cameras and where we are now. And I'm like, more than ever do we need to have this discussion where we raise our hand and say, like, hey, we see you. If there's any way we can have solidarity with you, we want to do it. So I always felt like there was importance and weight to that. And so um, the live show just became a way to – if you didn't understand what we were doing, we were going to fucking tell you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you do a great job of that. But it's funny, you know, looking back, because you're a, you were a high school kid. You were just a kid at this point. Doesn't that yeah, blow your 17. mind? I mean, because you look at yeah. kids now that are that are that age, and it doesn't seem like they know what you what you know or what you knew. Yet somehow back then, and now they have everything at their fingertips. Like there's so much yeah. out there to discover. Like I mean, maybe we should just start at the beginning. Like you know, growing yeah. up in Pittsburgh and 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 getting into punk rock and and you know how you came to be in this band yeah well i i I will say that i had an unfair advantage where i had to grow up very quickly and um uh my uh, my father um is a convicted child molester and he he molested my sister and um I didn't know this at the time, but the reason that he was forced to leave when I was six was because all of this had gone down. And um, it wasn't until I was about nine years old um, and uh, and it happened again. And in the States, we have this thing called Megan's Law, where uh, if you are suspected or arrested for child pornography or child molestation, uh, twice you go to jail for a mandatory sentence. So that happened to my father when I was nine. And it, it was this crazy thing where, like, you know, I kind of remember being little and being in my mom's car. She went and kind of tailed him. Um, right. And now I know that she was she was jumping in front of bullets. She was trying to warn anyone that he would be in a relationship with, like, hey, this is what went down. It didn't stick at the time, but now you should. And 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 I don't know if it was driven by a guilt from what happened to my sister, right. or um, you know, just a want to make sure that it didn't happen to anyone else. You know, so it, it really forced me to look at the world differently very quickly. And um, and uh, you know, because of that, I was raised by primarily my brother and my sister because my mom was working so much just to keep us at the same house and in the same school and all those things. So my brother, (laughs) he is another, I mean, he's the reason I'm here. Um, because he, 
uh, he sees the world differently than anyone I know and I've ever met. And that's his kiss and that's his curse. You know, uh, he, he was always on the other side of cops and always on the other side of the law. And, um, you know, whether he was young and selling drugs or doing whatever, he was just, he was doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing, but he was doing it so well that no one could catch him. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And we would all sit around and think like, if you just used your powers for good, You'd be the, you know, you'd be a millionaire and, you know, uh, right. humanitarian, but instead he didn't have that chip in his brain. So, um, but that is what politicized me because I saw my brother getting harassed by the cops when I was eight and nine years old. I, my, I didn't have a dad. The cops would drive by my bus stop and say, Hey, you're Mike's brother. We're going to fucking get him. We're going to take him away. And How when you, he uh, he's, um, he is ten, seven to ten years older than I am. Okay, so so quite a bit older. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he had to be, yeah, he had to be eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, uh, when all this was going down. Um, and I just remember thinking back then, like, well, I, I already don't have a dad. Like, if you take him, what else do I have? And so. I I just developed a, a, a distrust and <laughs> a resentment and an anger towards all authority figures. And then that extrapolated into school and, you know, I didn't do particularly well. I did well enough, but <laughs> I didn't uh, I didn't pay attention. I was much more focused on, um, you know, playing hockey and just kind of like staying away from uh, – uh, normal things like I was always drawn <laughs> to abnormal things but but from that you know I, I got I fell in love with music and I heard NWA through my brother and fuck the police and I was like that's my soundtrack to my life right now <laughs> and um and you know when you turn f- 15 and um you become interested in you know finding love and finding relationships and all those exciting things um, through that, I met this this girl that I really uh, drew a liking to. She was cool and punk and vegetarian. So then I was punk and vegetarian, like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so and then literally that was like fifteen, sixteen, and she had a record called "Die for the Government." And um, I was like, okay, well these guys are cool and they live here, so I'm going to make make them my friends. That will make the cool vegetarian girl really like me. <laughs> I'm gonna do that, and and then it all kind of came full circle. You know, at that time, you know, an, uh, uh, anti flag was was really championing um, this uh, uh, the fact that in Pittsburgh we had the highest police brutality rate in the country, and that became like a central theme of the shows and. Um, right. Uh, and I was really attracted to, to anything that was that was counteracting that, and so, um, so yeah, I just befriended them, and you know, started my own bands and tried to get on their shows. Like literally, would start a band just to get, just to open. <laughs> like no, that was like the goal, you know. Like then, then we made it. Then we're Kiss, you know. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, so, somehow through all of that, like it, it ended up that I was their friend and, um, 
whenever um, Cock, uh, who was the bass player before me, was no longer able to be in the band, I got a phone call and it was, you play bass, right? And I lied and said I did and here I am. <laughs> so you were playing guitar before this in bands? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and bass is a lot different. Well, of course. How did you get into to playing guitar and stuff? Was that through your older brother as well? Um, so that was through my uncle, who my uncle, uh, um, my family, my entire family um, is Italian. And uh, my mom came over from Italy when she was 13 uh, on a boat, and she is the youngest of nine. And so wow. all nine of them moved to um, – uh, a street called Railroad Street in McKee's Rocks, which is uh, just a little bit outside of the city of Pittsburgh. Yeah, and um, basically they were all there because there was the railroad jobs that were there. P and L E Railroad had a headquarters there, and obviously steel jobs that were um, in Pittsburgh and in the suburbs. So, one of the first days that my aunt was there, who is a couple years older than my mom. She walked across the street. There was another uh, immigrant Italian family. This guy says, hey, I'm going to marry you. Sure enough, 55 years later, they're still married. <laughs> when you hear the story, it's like, whoa, cool. They didn't even have to use an app. <laughs> uh, uh, but my Uncle John, who uh, went to the military, served in the military, he fell in love with Elvis. Um, and he started playing guitar. And he had a guitar in his basement. And that's kind of how that goes down. He showed me how to play a chord, and okay. that's really all, all you need is one. Just one chord. <laughs> <laughs> one chord, uh, a power chord, and you move it around, and you start and a you band. You just move it around. That's, that's exactly right. what it is. That's yeah. right. And before you know it, you've learned Drain You by Nirvana, and uh, the rest is uh, um, an interview of, on the internet. And most yeah. of Anti-Flag's uh, uh, first record, too. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like to say that if the first record – is three chords of the truth. The newest one is four. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's progression if I've ever heard it, man. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Yes, yeah, so that's amazing. You didn't you didn't know how to play bass. You joined the band. You become quite an accomplished bass player. Um, and I mean, you, you must be a little bit younger than those guys. I mean, how yeah, much younger yeah. are you than Justin? Um, I'm nine to ten years younger, depending on when the months fall. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's a big gap. Was it like? Were they just excited to have someone so excited about their band in their band? No. Did you ever ask what it was? Or how did, you know, like, how did they make yeah, the call to get yeah, you yeah, in the band yeah. when you were a kid, you know? Well, I, I imagine that Justin will have a different version of this story. But um, from what I know and from what has been said, um, at least like the bit is, that's been uncovered, is that Justin was really wanted someone who was young enough that they could make the band their life. And so there was a bit of a, you know, let's, let's get someone who doesn't have a plan <laughs> so he can be as committed to it as we are. And on one hand, that's really smart. On the other hand, you know, one could argue it ruined my life. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 so, he was all in and he, I think, saw past me being 16 and a total spaz. Um, uh, but Head and Pat did not like, Head didn't like me at all. And um, 
It's because, I mean, like the band was entirely straight edge at the time and I wasn't and I was crazy and going to punk shows and drinking a box of wine and stage diving on every song. And, you know, so right. I think he thought I was going to be a liability. Yeah. 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 And um, the thing about me is that if there is a thing that I want to do, I will get it done. If there are things that I don't have to do, then I'm going to make it as good of a time as possible. <laughs> so so he just happened to see me in all those times in life when I didn't have any responsibilities. But once I have responsibilities, I, I can take care of them handedly. Um, so he took the most convincing. And, and I think that that Pat was probably the most skeptical about my age. And um, that's also because Pat didn't want to ruin my life. He was like, Hey, you know, we've all been able to go to college and do other things. And we're going to take this kid who literally like to join the band. I had to sit with all of my teachers and guidance counselors and get them to stop my senior year of high school halfway through the year. Right. So I was still able to graduate with so my mom. Uh, you know, this is also like a, an immigrant thing, I, I believe, but she refused any type of scenario where I didn't graduate <laughs> high right. school. So, uh, so I had to make sure I got that done. And thankfully, and this is partly because I was such a fuck up. They were like, Hey, you know, this might be this kid's only chance to get out of here. Let's grease the wheels a little bit so he can go. Wow. Um, yeah. Interesting. Well, it's funny. I mean, it must just be, you know, over the years, I'm sure this is something that comes up a lot, but at that point, they're like, sorry, what's the name of the band called? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, you're yeah. like, yeah. oh, yeah. No, Anti Flag. It's a punk band. They must have <laughs> never thought that that's going anywhere. No, no. Well, what was, what's really great about all of it, and, um, and you know this better than anyone, and we can explain it so folks can, can get it as well, but, mm -hmm. When you are in a band of any level, the thing that you do sounds exciting to a person who works or sits at a desk. So they don't understand that you've made no money and that no one really cares. <laughs> but if you say, yeah, last night we were in New York City, they're like, oh, shit, they don't just let everyone play in New York City. Right. It's like, yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely do. Yeah. yeah. So um, so there's a, there's a bit of um, bait and switch that was going sure. on at the time so that we were making it out to see much more important than it was. And, um, and, and thankfully they were, they were kind enough to, to look the other way and let me go. And my mom has her diploma and that's all that mattered. So. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's rad. No, it's funny. You know, you, you've taken quite a journey, you know, starting out as a, a guy that, you know, didn't know how to play bass, uh, you know, young, young kid in the band and you've, you know, over the years you've progressed, you've become, I mean, a hell of a bass player and you almost become a co-frontman in the band. You know what I mean? I mean, you're the bass player, but you are, you know, you do, you sing some of the songs, you do all yeah. like backup vocals, almost the whole set. And you're, you're a big communicator between yeah. songs. The Flavor Flav. Yeah, right. The yeah. hype man. Yeah. yeah. How did yeah. That, ha that I mean, did that happen naturally over time? Was that a discussion? No, no, no. So, so what, what happened was um, right after that tour, so 
um, my first set of touring was crazy. So uh, we, we went out, we did like three months straight in the van. Um, it was really difficult. There was a lot of shows that were really bad, but you know, it's that thing where if you get one good one a week yeah, uh, or one good one every two weeks, you get enough, like <laughs> the battery gets recharged enough. You get yeah, charged I out know. there for it's so, so true. Yeah. Um, cause you start, then, th- you start saying, what if they were all this good? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so from there, um, we got some interesting things, you know, like we got this, um, Dropkick Murphys tour and that seemed really interesting to us. And, uh, um, at the time, you know, this was going into like 500 cap rooms, you know, at best. So it was not the Dropkick Murphys as you know and think of them now. It was the original incarnation, which was far more, I, I don't want to say right wing, but definitely like skinhead and oi. And um, we thought we were going to bring the punks and the skins together. Um, the problem is the punks aren't strong enough (laughs) and the skins are much stronger and so as we transitioned from the comfort uh comfortable uh scenarios uh, or scenes of uh of the east coast and of uh, california um we entered texas and uh it really took a turn and um and at the time i mean they were they were a few they were a few years ahead of us, so they understood um, the way to uh, interact with an audience so that the show felt important. Um, and when the only problem with, with that is when the show would be predominantly skinheads or predominantly nationalist, they would really play that up. And um, then you just see, like, you know, guys, grown men. Um, looking for people in anti-flag shirts and just knocking them out. And after about a week and a half of that, it really started to wear on us. Well, why and, did they take uh, you out? I mean, it's, if they're if that's their <laughs> well, Shane, I, mean, I, I don't Shane, think I'll of them there. that way. I'm, but... I'm, I'm about to get there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so after about a week and a half of that, um, we our our ability to spin it broke down and um and our ability to find the silver lining in all of everything you know broke down and it was pat of all people who came off stage and as the dropkick murphys were walking to stage he said aloud fuck these people and uh that sent ken off because ken took it as a like a direct uh, attack on fans of his band or you know folks that support his art and so it became a huge blow up between the two bands and um and they weren't particularly having fun because you know our kids would really get down on them when they would do the nationalist stuff and we weren't having any fun because people were throwing beer bottles at us this was before plastic ones like they were real beer bottles (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and, and, um, and so when it all culminates with this blow up where we didn't even fucking want you on this tour, our booking agent made us take you. And we've later found out that there was another tour that we were going to do and we were going to take the main support away from one of her acts. 
And so the way they did that was they shifted us onto that. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a bad move. <laughs> it was a bad move. But um, that, that I'm, 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 I'm taking the long way to how I learned how to use the microphone during the show. Um, when we ended that tour, basically the, it, it, the fight happened. We squashed the beef. They went out. They had a good show. Um, that last show was at Fitzgerald's. Yeah, uh, Houston, yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, do you know where – do you know where the monitor board is? It's like off to stage left. It's on my side of the stage. Totally. Um, I totally know. I can picture the venue like the back of my head. Yeah. I was hiding in there between songs because so many beer bottles were being thrown oh at us. <laughs> it was like Roadhouse, baby. And so that was the show where Pat gets off stage and he says, fuck these people. And then it all blows up. The, we squash the beef. The next day we arrive at the show. And throughout this tour – um. We, we had one banner for the whole tour, and that was hung each night. And um, to the right of it was an Irish flag, and to the left of it was an American flag. And so we were just like, well, that's our answer. And so we got in the van and drove straight home from, from Texas. And um, so we canceled the last week and a half shows to get us back to the East Coast. And um, Justin wasn't feeling very well. So he like stayed in his bunk for that entire four day drive. Yeah. Uh, and he got carbon monoxide poisoning oh and uh, yeah, it was really bad. He was in the hospital for like a week. Um, uh, and we're in his father's yard raking leaves for his dad because Justin couldn't do it because he was in the hospital. Yeah. And, um, I said out loud, I said, you know, guys, I was watching TV and I saw this video for that band Rage Against the Machine. We should tour with them. <laughs> and <laughs> and that, that's how green I was. Like, I had no idea that, you know, that would never happen in the world. You can't just manifest that, you know. But I, I just said it out loud. I was like, why don't we call them? And they're like, dude, you can't just call a band that plays arenas. I was like, sure, we have a booking agent. What do you mean? Like, booking agent's a booking agent, you know? Um, and uh, and so they, they, Pat laughed at me. He's like, well, why don't you call Greg from Go-Kart, which Go-Kart Records was on the time. Yeah. He's like, see if he knows anyone who knows anyone. And so I called Greg, and uh, I didn't get him, but I left a message that said <laughs> – <laughs> Hi Greg, this is Chris from Anti Flag. You've never spoken to me before. <laughs> One time you were at the show we played, but I saw a band on TV called Razor's Machine and would really like to play with them. Do you know anyone who knows anyone? And um, so later I get a call from Greg from Go Kart. And I was like, What's up, man? Did you get my message about Rage Against the Machine? And he literally said to me, Wait do you know what I'm calling you about? And I was like, wait, what do you mean? I called you. And he's like, man, I just got off the phone with Tom for Rage Against the Machine. They want to take you on tour. And it Unbelievable. was... <laughs> it was so crazy. It was so crazy. And so Tom had found a new kind of army. And for that tour, each band member got to pick a band to open up two weeks of the tour. But it was really just Zach and Tom. So we did half and after drive in did the other half. Wow, and um, and so we went directly from from there to uh, 
playing in arena <laughs> when we left Fitzgerald's and we had we not left early we wouldn't have been able to do those shows right that's crazy and you so guys, are um, you guys is there still like weirdness with dropkick murphys after all these years because you must see them around we see them around and it's always just like hey um but we've definitely like we had like a, a heart to heart where they were like yo, that had to be really hard for you guys. And we were like, yeah, dude, it was. And I think their politics have changed a lot too. Um, the beef really got cemented post 9-11 because they went really nationalist after 9-11 and we were really cognizant to stay anti-war and to stay yeah. ourselves. And um, that was a really hard time too. I mean, we could talk for an hour about that. But um you know, there were people sending us our records back to us to change our name. No stores would take us. We were on a band from radio list, even though we had never been on the radio. <laughs> yeah. No, that's yeah, funny. So, you know, I have fan questions here. Uh, and Gino asked exactly that. He asked them, like, like, what was it like getting your records pulled off the shelves at that point? And then also, were fans turning on you? Or did fans support you? Because that must have been just such a hard time as an American. Well, it, it was crazy. I mean, I, I, like, so... And you know this too, and you can attest to it, that the loudest folks are the ones that want you to quit. So you're not going to hear a lot of like, I love you. <laughs> right. So um, all it seemed that all we were hearing was change your, change your name. You can't be called anti-flag right now. Like, and and uh, to the point where like, you know, Chris Ed's parent, his dad sat him down. He's like, you guys got to change your band name. Wow. And like, no, none of us had a parent that would come see us play. And Head's dad was always there. <laughs> and then he was the one saying like, change your name. We were like, whoa, what the fuck? You know? Um, and it was February. So we did the song 911 for Peace immediately after September 11th. And this was at a time when the internet was still relatively like new to music. Um, so we put it up for free as a download and you know, we broke our servers. Like that was a thing that could still happen. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so that's when we got an affirmation that we were kind of on the right path and to, just continue to be true to ourselves and do what we thought was was best. Well, that's one thing you guys always said. You know, at your shows, you always said anti-flag does not mean anti-America. It means anti-war. And that's something that you guys – did you feel like you had to kind of hammer that idea home to people to understand, look, like we're not – you know what I mean? We're still – you know, uh, yeah, we're, not, Ameri- yeah. we're not, not anti-American. I mean – Yeah. What's what's really crazy is that is, is that you – for for the amount of times where you feel you're making endless headway in the battle against nationalism versus actual issue, and uh, then you find yourself in 2017 and this whole thing with players kneeling during the anthem, right? And you're just like, well, clearly we have <laughs> what well, we thought we were, weren't we? Ain't there? Um, and uh, I think that that has a lot to do with just, you know, the, the, the importance of discussing the evils of nationalism and what it does to people. Uh, it, it doesn't allow you to actually see what is happening right in front of your face because you are so wrapped in an idea. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, that's a very scary thing for me, especially now when you get into – um, the Donald Trumps of the world, 
the the alt right movement here in the America. Um, you know, I, I heard a thing today that like um, in Canada, the uh, uh, Jewish hate crimes are on like a two hundred percent rise. You know, it's really? it's hap- it's happening everywhere because people feel emboldened with their bullshit because they can, you know, pretend that it's altruistic and wrapped in a flag. Yeah, it is. It is a, a crazy time. I mean, obviously, we had eight years of Obama. You know, I say we, I like I'm American, but you know, yeah, whatever. The, the it, world it, it affects yeah, the, the world. world did, it does yeah. affect the world. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you guys were a band throughout the eight years when things were seemingly moving forward, uh, sort of yeah. just trying to go progress to, to where uh, you know things were were getting better. I mean, not you know not perfect, but better. Yeah. And now all, all of a sudden, in the last year, there's been a big change. Yeah. And does it make you guys? Did it re? invigorate your guys in some ways that that oh my god like we can't put our foot down for like we can't lift our foot up for a second off of these issues yeah well i mean that's you know if you go back to barack obama winning the election um we literally said like hey today we celebrate a tremendous uh, uh, uh humanitarian push around the world you know, the first ever uh, African-American president is huge and should be celebrated. And then tomorrow we get to work, <laughs> you know, like yeah. – and, and, and unfortunately for a lot of folks, that work stopped. And, and apathy is way more um, – way easier to spread than empathy is. Uh, right. And that, that's an unfortunate – uh, byproduct of eight years of Barack Obama is that apathy was at an all-time high. And I have a lot of friends and bands that I've talked to and that I've talked to going into this election where I felt, man, this is really important. Let's let's you know let's get together. Let's do some voter registration. Let's just make sure that people push the ball further up the road than letting it roll back over top of us. And it was, I was really, it was hard. I mean, I don't know how many people like that I talked to in really cool bands, progressive bands. And they were just like, you know what, man, no one wants to hear that, dude. Everyone's, we're going to, we got this. Hillary Clinton's going to (laughs) win. And I was like, yeah, she's going to win, but we can do better, man. Like, look at this Bernie thing. Like, this is like real. Look at these. I went to two Bernie Sanders rallies in Pittsburgh. And it was akin to going to the Warp Tour in 2000. <laughs> um, remember that? But that was young kids with that fucking puppy paint on their. Yeah, man. <laughs> and like, like, I was like, these, this, this is where we need to be. <laughs> right. You know, not not because I think Bernie is going to save anybody, but because he's found a way to energize young people to care about more than just themselves. That is empathy. Empathy is much harder to spread than apathy. If there's one fucking thing to take away from all of the work of punk rock bands and bands that have a political agenda and a message, that's what it is. We're beating our head against the wall to just get people for a minute to care about more than just themselves because everything else in our lives tells us, dude, you need this. If you don't have this, you're incomplete. You need to be working on you 24-7 and – that's really not the case. <laughs> a lot of us have way more than we need. Most of us do. Yeah. So how do we how do we give 
how do we give a damn about those that don't? And, and, um, uh, so, so I think that like, that that was maybe my biggest bum out with it is that those same conversations that I was having pre-election, I was then my, my, I, like, I wish I could share a screen grab of how many text messages I got, um, oh, yeah. after Trump was elected. And it was like, well, what do we do, man? <laughs> it was like, dude, I don't fucking know. I played a band. <laughs> like, 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 okay, well, let's go write about it, I guess. I don't know. Like, right. Jeez. What could we have done before it? Remember when I called you and you were like, no one cares? All right, yeah. sorry. Oh my God. But that's apathy. So I can't yeah. do I can't I can't deal with that shit. But I mean as a person, you know, you are you're known as one of the most, you know, like social guys. Like, you know, you're friends with everybody. Um you you know, you you always support uh other bands, younger bands, maybe bands that aren't, you know, in the same scene as you. Um and you know, you know, in some ways, yes, you're you care about all these political sides, but a lot of times, also, you're kind of a fun guy to be around. You know what I mean? Is that like difficult for for you ever to like try to make people understand? And look, like I'm just a guy. Like I'm yeah, not just yeah. always got this like political face on. Like I want to, you know, like it says on your on your Instagram bio, like you love pink wine. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're allowed yeah. to love pink wine. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I think that like like. What I found is that that, and I, I try to adapt this into all bits of my life. You know, um, Billy Bragg said to us in Anti Flag when we were kids, and when we we went to one of his shows and we met him, and we were like, "Hey, we have this punk band, like this is what we're trying to do." And he was like, "Kids, you catch more flies with honey, right?" And he just and he just walked away, <laughs> and. Well, after we thought about it, we're like, fuck, he just told us that we need to write good songs or else no one's going to give a fuck about what we're doing. Sure. So we're constantly trying to write a better song. When when people have expectations of what an anti-flag record is supposed to sound like, whether they fell in love with Die for the Government in 1996 or whether they listened to For, for Blood and Empire in 2006 sure. or whatever other tentpole records we have in our career, I can't make that happen again. Uh, that's where you were at that time in your life. You'll never fucking be there again. However, I can try to do better and I can try to bring more people in. And so that positivity and that energy is the same thing that I want to do all the time, whether it's, you know, trying to get Paul to get out of the bus early to go play hockey (laughs) 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 or, you know, being friends with Bo from bless the fall and playing hockey with him too. Like, I get it that on his level um, and the things he's trying to do, it might not make sense for him to be associated with anti-flag. And like I could feel that sometimes when we'd be hanging out, like he would be worried about that, you know. And who do you mean who? Who do you mean? Bo. Oh, okay. And and I just mean in the sense of like, you know, they have a thing, and you know, we kind of smash religion. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, he's kind of got religion. But my my point is we can have a discussion about how to get there and how to have positive interactions with one another and, and take um and take really, really good things out of those moments. Um I think in his mind it was best just to like kind of leave it as unsaid, which is cool, you know, totally fine. So I, I but I, I just he's a back- punk rock guy though. I mean the other thing too though is I think that, that what you don't understand is from other people's perspective 
they might feel like, oh, I'm not like cool enough. You know, I'm not underground yeah, enough. Yeah, or I yeah. don't know enough about the current state of the world yeah, to have yeah. a conversation with this guy because yeah. because you you know, you know things yeah. and you talk the about political things on stage robot and you write the things. political robot thing is like that comes back a lot where it's yeah. like, Oh man, I didn't expect you to know that you could quote dumb and dumber the entire movie <laughs> but i can motherfucker um so but yeah i i get that and and so all of it is just trying to break that down you know because yeah. we have preconceived notions about everything so um whether it's you know breaking down how difficult it is to become politically aware um or breaking down how easy it is to have a conversation with someone who is you know sure. um but I, I've never gotten very like maybe more when we were kids. It was like, hey, man, you're on the wrong side of the line. Like, fuck off. Um, but uh, I've really tried to to work on that on myself and make sure that it becomes more inclusive. Absolutely. And, um, but that's also getting older, too. Well, you talk about For Blood and Empire, which is you know one of your most loved records and, and a record that you still play a lot of songs live from. Uh, and it's on RCA Records, you know. Yeah, it, was, man. it was a major label record for you guys, and I'm sure that that was very polarizing for your fans too. Because on one hand, you have people being like "fuck them," they sold out, and then other people saying, "Oh, well, they have a great message and they're bringing it to the masses." Mm-hmm. Um, how was that for you guys? And, and is that kind of was your approach? Was let's bring our message to the masses? Kind of going yeah. back to the Billy Bragg thing. Yeah. Well, so I'll tell you one of the things that we were very. F- uh, we were very fortunate to have happen in our lives, um, which was failure. <laughs> right. So uh, the the interesting thing about um, just making music and signing to different labels and all of that stuff is that you are the only person that has this like carried weight of expectation. Nobody else knows or nobody else really understands until they're in that predicament. So – when we were doing A New Kind of Army, um, we were talking with Fat Mike about putting it out. Um, we uh, – he only wanted to do it on Honest Ons. and I don't know if you remember yeah, Honest Ons. I remember Honest Ons was yeah. like the Diesel Boy label and it yeah. was kind of like so, the smaller – it was like the little brother of Fat Records. Yeah, yeah. And, and so he was like, look, guys, I think this record's cool. But I don't think it's ready for fat. So you can kind of be on this label. It's like our like minor league, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, what was so funny is that he had – right before our phone conversation to decide, he had sent us a box of compilations of Honest Don's bands. And um, we opened the box and the compilation is called Honest Don's Great – ass shits and it's got a picture of a clown shitting into a bowl of cereal and yeah, i remember we were like i own we a like, cd dude <laughs> yeah well we all looked at each other like we can't sign this fucking label <laughs> right. so if you want to talk about when like our moments when we don't allow ourselves to have fun and we take ourselves too seriously that was one of them <laughs> um so basically we had this phone conversation with fat mike where we told him no and I don't think he's been told no a lot. <laughs> right. So he didn't like it. Um, we did fat, uh, we we did uh, new kind of army on go kart. It did very well. 
after that Rage Against Machine tour, Justin got too sick again. So we did Warp Tour, um, uh, the entire Warp Tour in 2000. And the first half, Justin wasn't on the tour. I was singing all the songs. And that's kind of where I learned how to talk to people <laughs> sure. and, and, yeah. and do the thing. And so it was just like into the fire. And that's when Mike got to see us a bunch. So when Justin joined the tour, um, Mike actually offered us a deal to do underground network through fat records. And we thought it was, we thought it was over, man. We thought, we thought we won, you know, like we're going to put this record out. We're going to be the biggest punk rock band there is. It's going to be no effects, good riddance, anti-flag for the rest of the world. Good luck, everybody. And, um, we put the record out and nobody cared, man. (laughs) So when you fast forward to signing that deal with RCA and they're like, Hey man, this is going to put so many eyes and ears on you guys. You're not going to know. We had a history to look back on and say like, well, no, it doesn't. Right. You know, it's sure. You're going to market it better than they did monetarily, but you know, Crystal Clear Pepsi failed, man. <laughs> and it was delicious. Yeah. Like, like marketing dollars don't, don't necessarily mean that people are going to buy it. Right. So um, we thankfully had that failure in our back pocket. Um, we also were in a really advantageous scenario whenever it came to the major label world. Uh, and this ties into Morello again. He – he played the Terra State, which was the second fat record, um, yep. for Rick Rubin. And wow. uh, and Rick wanted to sign the band. And so when Rick wants to sign a band, every major wants to sign that band. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with just like the nature of A&Ring and like no one wants to look like, what? why didn't you have a meeting with this band? Are you bad at your job? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, um, so we had an offer from from every label just because Rick said, I think this is cool. Wow. And that's crazy um, the amount of power one man can have, right? Jeez. Oh dude. Yeah. And I mean, so this was 2004. Um, and you know, this is like the height of the Iraq war. And yeah. at that, at that point, American idiot wasn't released yet. True. You know, so, so we, we, we really thought, you know, Hey, maybe, but at the same time, we were comfortable with failure. So we put a lot of provisions in there. Like it was a two-record deal. Um, and, I, I, and I know you know this from being on Victory. Um, that's crazy. Dude, we literally had a yeah. two-record deal. No option, no anything. It was two, two records. Absolutely um, crazy, yeah. They gave us money to form two nonprofits. They, um, each band member picked... Um, uh, a place to donate money from the deal to. Uh, we we built a studio in Pittsburgh with Sony money, all part of it, and wow. um, it was a rock and roll swindle. And it was all thanks to Rick Rubin. And um, you know, part of me really wonders what For Blood and Empire would sound like if he had produced that record because we had all those songs yeah, written. Because it was Dave Schiffman that did the record, right? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. talked to him about doing. I think it was discovering the waterfront. He was he was talk to him about or maybe it was the third record i can't remember yeah yeah can you imagine i mean that would be yeah yeah i mean like i have my friend tyler who's like a big music guy um and i know him just through hockey he's much less of a punk guy than he is a music guy Mm -hmm. if i had a nickel for every time he said to me dude dude, could you imagine if rick rubin produces the end (laughs) 
<laughs> and then I go like, thanks, Tyler. Like, I don't know what would have happened, you know. Um, but I do know that – It might have been terrible too though. That's the It might have been terrible. It might have been an absolute in, career ruiner. So so based on that, RCA gave us the best deal that protected us from their inherent failure that was going to happen. Everyone in the world saw the writing on the wall with the music industry changing and dying. Yeah. We knew everyone at that label would be fired within two years, and that's exactly what happened. So we we really navigated the waters very well, and I, I hope one day to do a tell all about it because it was <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty savvy like the way we did yeah. it. And it has a lot to do with Pat, who is um, he's always handled the business of the band, um, but but we were really just going with our gut and. Um, Subsequently, at that same time, Rick was making the International Noise Sincerity record, and he wasn't able to get it out. You know, it was just sitting in purgatory, and so we were kind of looking over at him, going like, "Well, you have our friends, and you don't even know what's going to happen with their record. Like, we don't want that to happen to us." Sure. You know, so there was a lot, a lot of ins and outs that went to it, but uh, it never was that moment that you're describing where we were like, we're going to sign this label to get our message out, you know, like, no, okay. Okay. Because, because you just can't, you can't predict that. So what we guaranteed ourselves was we were going to sign to this label. We're going to discomfort a lot of people who care a lot about this band. Hopefully one day they'll be able to understand what we are doing. <laughs> but in the meantime, you know, like there's a local venue here in Pittsburgh and, you know, we got RCA to put a new PA in their venue. Like there's wow. a, there's a, a place called the Thomas Merton Center here in town, which does a lot of um, uh, uh, a lot of civil liberties lawsuits and work. And we get we get we paid a grant for them, you know, like like That's all crazy. kinds of shit like that. You know, we started this organization called Military Free Zone, which combated a provision in George Bush's No Child Left Behind Act that. Uh, in American schools for a long time, you had to fill out a little card if you wanted the military to have your information. They changed that law uh, leading into the Iraq war where you had to fill out a form to opt out of the military having your information. So we, we started um, we started um, Military Free Zone, and through that, working with a congressman, we got that law, that provision changed. I mean, like wow. all that shit went down because – of that Sony money. And it was all kind of in the back. <laughs> like you can't really be like, yo, Sony bought your PA punk venue. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, it, for us, it was really important to, to, um, take them to task. And, and you know what it's like with a, with a label, they won't just write you a check. So like we had to, we had to like facilitate this and put this all in their hands. And, um, so many people would be like, well, why are we doing this? This isn't, and we're like, Oh yeah, you just don't really understand our audience. This will, this will, this will make them happy. Wow. <laughs> just lying through our teeth, like the whole time. And, and, and um, you know, that money was going to go to Kelly Clarkson or Clay Aiken or one sure. of the other American idols at that time. So we didn't see a problem with it at all. Um, and, uh, and like you said, you know, it, it's our biggest record. Um, the biggest thing that we got from the major was we had record labels in, uh, in Germany in, uh, the UK in Japan. Uh, we had never had that. We had been an import until that time. So now that our record was accessible and, and cheap there, and, and this was, you know, still in the early 2000s when people bought records, like that really changed our lives and, and changed the scope of the band and really made the messaging of the band far more global. And totally. I think thus more impactful. Totally. And now, I mean, we'll talk about the new record now. American Fall is out now. 
uh, Spine Farm Records, which I don't know a lot about actually. Um, yeah. How did you get hooked up with them? What What is that label? Yeah, so it's predominantly a metal label, and um, you know this just is because metal records are the only thing that seem to sell, <laughs> and so those are the only ones left. Um, but uh, um, uh, it's another label that has uh, international ties, so yeah. they're based out of Finland, and they've got a German office. So that was really important to us. Totally, and um, we were we weren't we weren't able to find that with any of the the indies that we had been working with recently. We they have like people that work the records over there, but um, we're overseas so much that it, we really need to have people on the ground that are that are looking after I us. Totally and, agree and, with you. And the album cover, the artwork is rad. Um, where did yeah. that come from? Is that a photo? Yeah. So, so you can buy, we bought that 3d rendering of the white house. And so w- w- what happened was, um, we have this kid in town, his name is Doug Dean and, and he, he does everything art related, um, for us and for me in particular, like if I produce a record or do anything like that, I, like he's the first person I call about doing the art. He's just so smart and he thinks about packaging in, um, in a real modern way that isn't just based on like, okay, you know, 3000 people are going to buy the LP of this. So we need to have a deluxe LP and then everything else just kind of sits, you know, like, like he, he, he wants to make whatever we can do, uh, tangible and feel like, yeah, you can have some connection to it and make you feel like you want to own it as a piece of art. And I think that's really important as the, um, the amount of people who buy physical records shrinks. Um, Uh, what ends up happening most of the time is it's like, well, not many people are going to buy this, so let's just make it as cheap as possible. Versus saying, not many people have bought this. Let's let's like thank them. How <laughs> 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 you know, like, do we give them something and say like thanks? You know. But um, so Doug, uh, uh, I kind of had the title American Fall as a sister record to American yep. Spring, and um, the the. With it, he just you know thought about the White House and thought about what it means right now and thought about how impactful that empty chair is. And um, we have this other friend who's an artist. His name is Noah Scalin, and he makes those skulls. Uh, and oh, yeah. he and they're actually three dimensional. So when you when you look at them from one angle, it's a skull, but as you turn around it, it just is a pile. You know, so he'll put them up in libraries where it'll just be a pile of books from one place. But when you hit the right perspective, it's you know something we associate with death or something we associate with evil. And um, I thought that that was a very apropos um, statement for what we're dealing with uh, emotionally and physically via the White House in 2017. Totally. Um, so when you do open up the gatefold of the record, it's that pile from the side and it's just a pile of money and it's a, it's a really cool thing. So Very Noah cool. kind of directed us. It's all a digital image, but it, it, it's really incredible how realistic it is. And the picture disc, the shaped picture disc is like the coolest oh, fucking yeah, thing I've yeah. ever seen too. Wow, yeah, it's really it. cool. So it's really cool. That's, that's awesome. Well, you guys are going on tour too, starting out uh, January, yeah, January 16th in Detroit. I will be there. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm spending a lot of time in uh, Windsor, Ontario, across the river these days. So, um, and um, I will be at your it's show. It's going to be 100%. very cold. It's going to be cold. For the, it, oh, it's <laughs> going to be cold, and it's going to be the first day of the tour, which is always like the getting yeah. back in the groove. But I, I look yeah. forward to it. I can't wait. 
Yeah, man, this was re- this was really great. I, I I just you know I want you to to, to know that uh, I listen to these a lot, and I'm I'm proud of you because you're you're this isn't easy to do, and you all obviously have like a band that takes up 99.9% of your life. So um, good work doing it and getting them all done and, and out the door. And well, it's nice man. to just talk to somebody that I like. <laughs> oh, well, that's nice of you to say. And it's, this isn't, I mean, this is not hard talking to you. I mean, I don't even really need to make any notes when I talk to you, but uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's great to have you and um, all the best, the new record, new tour um, straight from the path. That's a very cool band. Yeah, uh, it's kinda, a, it's a really cool bill. It's a really yeah, cool bill, it's different. And, and and um, you know, for me, it's like again, I I just want to play with 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 interesting people, and um, I think that being around Sharp Tooth and the White Noise and being around young people, that's going to be really good for us too. So, um, uh, I'm hoping that folks come out to the shows and just have a good time because we really kind of need it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I got one more question for you. What is the hockey bar? I saw that on your uh Oh, okay. Instagram. So, so um we are going to open a bar eventually in Pittsburgh and it will be completely hockey based and focused only hockey. And um until that comes, we're going to use the power of the internet and connecting with people to um uh, uh, sell some things that are going to help build the bar. Um, so we have like a few like really cool, powerful, positive, uh, and hockey focused messages that we're going to share. Uh, we want, we're, we're doing a beer, um, hockey beer TM. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The slogan for hockey beer is get drafted. It's pretty, I mean, it's re- it. the hits, the hits write themselves. So, um, uh, we're going to like kind of share all of that shit on the first, and um, I have a lot of friends that like have hockey focused companies, and so I hope they're not they're not bummed at me because none of it's going to be competing with that. But it's like we have a few places in mind, and um, we're pretty close to like like trying to build the brick and mortar space. So right. I thought it would be really it would be really cool to kind of Tarantino it, and rather than like build a merch world or build a connection world after the place is built do it first and, and, and like be able to show people around the world. Like when you come to this town, you're going to have a place that you're familiar with. And like, we're doing cool things where like, you know, supporters can get like name plaques and stalls and things like that. So yeah. like, I, I, I think it's going to be really cool. And um, I hope that, that, that people will have as much fun with it as, well, as we're about to. Hopefully the penguins can uh, win some games and make the playoffs this year. It's not looking oh, great. Geez, yeah, it's a yeah, tough division, but their, their hangover is um, it's, it's real. It's taken a long time and they've played a lot of hockey, but, uh, but yeah. it's real right now. Well, I so. can't wait to see you and Phil Kessel in a photo in the hockey bar. I hope that happens <laughs> one day. That would be amazing. I can't wait for that either. Also, my dog, is just demolishing my Christmas tree. I just noticed it, but <laughs> well, you she must have go, eaten it. Better go attend to that. Entire interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, uh, uh, thank you so much, man, for taking the time. Uh, and yeah, I'll see. You, I'll see you in like a month. Cool, dude. Have a good day. And and uh, if you talk to your team, let them know that we love them. And we'll see you soon. We'll do, man. All the best. Cool. Bye. Cheers. There it is with Chris. I'm totally gonna go back. And look through my old punk CDs and find that great ass shit comps. I know. I know I have it somewhere. Anyways, what a great chat. I absolutely loved it. Shout out to Chris for doing it. 
and I love this hockey bar idea too, by the way. Um, I know they have an Instagram page, so become part of the movement. Please find it, add it. I think I follow it if you follow me on Instagram. It's just Shane Told, at Shane Told. Uh, I follow it, so whatever you have to do, check it out. It's a really, really cool idea. Next week, we are back with an all-new episode. And if you like this one, you're going to love next week. We have Justin Sane, I guess the, the main lead singer of the band. It's also a great talk. So yeah, hit the subscribe button. What are you waiting for? Hit it. Boom. It's right there. Just go boop, subscribe, boop. Anyways, if you want to get in touch, of course, you can email me. Uh, check out the Facebook page again, facebook.com slash leadsingersyn, S-Y-N. And if you want to help with the show, again, check out the All Access Club. The link for that, leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. As always, I will leave you with a tune, for better or for worse, not produced by Rick Rubin. Here is This Is The End on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love, and we'll see you next week. Don't forget to subscribe. 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 Seems every station on the TV is selling something no one can be. If every page